Hi, this is Jeff Richards, Columbus, Ohio. You're listening to Barbecue Central. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike your match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Welcome to the really big Barbecue Central show. This is the show that talks about all things that are important to the world of barbecue and grilling. The show originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame City, Bomb City, USA, Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evenings, a live fire fun and frivolity show. If you would like to get in contact with the show this evening or follow the show during off show hours, here's how you do it. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to Greg at the BBQ Central Follow us on all the social media channels at BBQ Central Show. And be sure to subscribe to the show podcast feed on your favorite podcast platform. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, the BBQ Central And here's what's happening in case you get the newsletter coming up in about 12 minutes from now. A barbecue icon, a multiple, multiple time book author on this very subject, world traveler, cooking class instructor, TV show host, sometimes radio show host, and quarterly podcast guest here in 2023. Of course, we're talking about Stephen Reichlin. We'll be talking the obligatory turkey. He's got some TV shows coming up. We have some other book writing stuff that we might mention. Plenty to talk about. We're going to be talking about standalone griddling, which Stephen has, my words, not his, poo-pooed a little bit on the griddling. So we'll talk to him about that and why he may or may not be falling in love with his griddle and what he's cooking on it. And then after Stephen Reichlin, we will be joined by our third Tuesday of the month regular guest, 35 past the first hour, and the creator of cookoutnews.com, Wes Wright, will be joining us. Just when you thought business in the live fire industry might be slowing down a tick, you're wrong in many ways. A lot of business being transacted, a lot of new products actually being released into the market here, and we have six weeks of the year left. There's new brands that are also being released that you've never heard of before, trying to do different things. And then the biggest thing to hit live fire in recent memory happened over the course of a week. Brilliant marketing campaign or sucky marketing campaign, depending on where you fall on it. 
but we'll talk to Wes about it. I'm going to leave that as a teaser. I'll take your guesses in the instant chat if you know what I'm talking about. So lots to talk about with Wes. None of it has to do with Traeger this time around. So the folks Traeger, deep sigh of relief. You can get into the new year unless something happens next month, which we'll report on it, of course. But outside of that, take the deep breath and make it into the new year unscathed by the Barbecue Central show. And that's going to wrap the first hour. And then we'll move to the second hour where we will have our last quarterly visit with the creator of Hey Grill Hey Brand, Susie Bullock. Maybe there's a Todd Bullock sighting. Definitely a Susie sighting. Could be a Todd. You never know. We'll also be doing the obligatory Thanksgiving talk with Susie. We'll also be talking more barbecue business with her. When she first started coming on, it was all about recipes, all about cooking, all about method. And then the more she grew in popularity, the more she got into the business side of things. And now we're talking more and more business every time she comes on. So that's not going to deviate here in the second hour. There's business to be talked about with Susie, and we'll get her take on a bunch of stuff, things that she has coming out as well. Those kits that seem to be doing very well. Remember, last time Susie was on, she announced the smoked fried chicken wing kit, and it had the breading that took forever for them to work out, make sure they release it right into the market. It had the sauce, it had the rub, had the directions, had the wet naps, everything. The kits, unique to the Hey Grill Hey brand Fairly unique to the industry. I don't know a lot of people that are doing kits, but Susie and the Hey Grill Hey Gang are, and they're doing very well. So we'll talk all about that. And then this is where it gets really dicey. As you may or may not know, I have been efforting all day one Brian Jarvis, who is the owner over at the Atlanta Barbecue Store. There was a contest at the Atlanta Barbecue Store last this past weekend. Things went down there. I want to talk to him about it. He has no microphone. As I was just texting back and forth with him, he had a microphone and then got rid of it, which I can't believe. So we've done zero sound checks. He worked much longer than he had anticipated to try and get one in here before the show started. I've watched some archive shows. It appears he has no microphone, no earbuds or AirPods or anything like that even. So here's what we agreed on. The story's big enough for me to run the risk. He's going to come on 1035 or thereabouts. We're going to immediately do a sound evaluation. We can't do a check. It's going to be a sound evaluation because it's going to be live. We'll do it live. That's right, Bill. And if it sucks, I told him I apologize in advance. I'm dumping you within 30 seconds of coming on air. And then we'll reschedule if need be. I can send you an extra microphone, make you sound good, all that stuff. If it sounds reasonably acceptable, which means I'm going to let it slide where I wouldn't otherwise because the story is good. Good enough to sacrifice a little sound quality. Not a lot of it, but a little bit of it. And if he's in a certain type of room and he can get close and... Maybe he runs across something that might work. Maybe he's got a ear pod microphone combo thing that he's going to run across here in the next two hours. Who knows? But if it sounds halfway decent, we're going to talk about the event, the charity that it benefits, and then we're going to talk about what happened and why we're talking about it. Otherwise, it's just a great contest that went off. But of course, something happened. So that's why we're having him on. So it's dicey. I have Brian Jarvis locked in. This I know. 
assuming he shows up and gets through the instructions right, if he sounds like crap, he's immediately out. No offense to him. We both agreed on it. If he sounds somewhat good and we can get through it and it sounds okay, he stays. We will learn all about what happened over the course of this past week. So that's how the show is shaping up. Stephen Reichlin, Wes Wright in the first hour, Susie Bullock, and potentially Brian Jarvis in the second hour. Don't forget you can follow me socially, Instagram, X, TikTok, Snapchat, at the handle at BBQ Central Show. We say good evening to those of you watching tonight through one of our video streaming platforms. You can go to Facebook and Twitch slash BBQ Central Show to watch. You can also watch on YouTube, which is youtube.com slash at BBQ Central Show. We also have a new YouTube poll question of the week. We're asking everybody this. And at the outset, it was 100 in one answer, 100% in one answer, but now we're getting closer to 50-50. I'm asking everybody this. Which turkey are you doing this year? Spatchcock or a whole bird? And currently, it's 60-40, and 60% of you are doing the whole bird for Thanksgiving. 40% of, uh, sorry, 45% of you just dropped. 45% of you now are going to do spatchcock. 55% of you are doing whole bird, and it's changing with every second that goes by. So we'll ask all guests the same thing here this evening as we lead all interviews. I honestly thought this was the show open where I would not be talking about anything barbecue competition related. But here we are, again, with a third straight week of talking about a scoring issue. Granted, the past two weeks in the open were focused on the issue with the American Royal Open. But this week, we have a new one. We'll also get into the second hour. It was at a much smaller event than the American Royal Open. That was the Atlanta Barbecue Store KCBS-sanctioned event, which took place this past weekend. And when it came time for awards, everyone is sent home. Why? Because there was no confidence in the awards being correct. I certainly have no issue with that at all. Better to be correct, for sure. And I'm going to ask Brian Jarvis about all of that in the second hour, and we'll see what he says. And that being said, we have either run into a period of time where coincidence is as unfunny as it gets because a pair of reps that were at the American Royal were also at the Atlanta Barbecue Store contest this past weekend. Or we are beginning to see... The scoring issues within KCBS are more dire than anybody thought. Let me be clear. I don't recall a time in the decade and a half I've covered this portion of the industry that scoring has been an issue like this. This is my experience. I'm not talking for anybody else. So to see it at the biggest event that's held every year and then at a relatively much smaller event compared to the American Royal Open within weeks of each other is alarming if nothing else. I shot a email off to the CEO at the KCBS and I asked him the following. What happened? Is this the same issue with the American Royal that happened this past weekend? If so, can we assume that it might be attributed to the same reps? Was the decision to call the event off without awards directed by you or was that the sole decision of the promoter at ABS? Has there been any timeline put in place to have scoring software updated or redone. The answer I get back, Greg, thank you for your email and inquiry about the Atlanta barbecue store contest in Cummings, Georgia this past weekend. KCBS is looking into what happened at this event regarding the scoring and tabulation. The issue appears to be unrelated 
to those that occurred October 1st, 2023 at the American Royal. However, until all the facts are known, commenting further would be speculative and unprofessional. And based on the information provided during a phone call by the contest reps and a te- and technical support that day, I decided to postpone award. So we have, I'm going to call it conflicting reports. You have Brian Jarvis saying he's the one that called off the award ceremony. And now you have the CEO of KCBS saying that he's the one that called off the awards at the ceremony. Nevertheless, this was a, uh, there was also a special meeting last night of the board looking to find out what happened at this particular event as well. So a lot of things going on. They were able to compile the correct scores and Brian Jarvis held a virtual award ceremony a ceremony on his internet show, which he does every week. Very well done considering the restraints that he was put under. But this certainly bringing a lot of questions and a lot of heat from competitors starting to wonder how accurate their scores are at events across the country. Teams are also asking about when a fix or a patch is going to be in place for their score system or when a new uh, program might be made to eliminate the issues that currently exist. And as you heard in the reply from Rod, that was something that wasn't mentioned in the reply back to me. So we're going to keep track of it. We'll give you the updates as we get them and hear about them. What did I just do? Let's hold on a second. Let's start over again. Okay. I see what we're doing here. Let me do this. Yes. Let me do this. And now we're ready. Wow. Steven Reichlin is ready to go. We'll get to him here in just one second. Aside from the YouTube poll question of the week, I'm asking you this. Are you tired of settling for mediocre grilling experiences? It's time to step up your grilling game and bring the ultimate flavor and cooker to the backyard barbecues. Pits and Spits Charcoal Grills offering the highest quality live fire cooking experience you can get in the market today. Using either wood or charcoal, their solid fuel grills produce those classic flavors you're looking for when you have time to fire up the grill for family and friends. With a large adjustable fuel tray, you can raise and lower the fire to control and fine-tune the heat. It's their take on the very popular Santa Maria-style grill that you're seeing. You can check them out online at pitsandspits.com slash bbqcentral and use promo code charcoalcentral, all one word to check out charcoalcentral. You can save $150 off any charcoal grill that they have for sale. Just by offering and entering that code, Charcoal Central, as you check it out, you save 150 bucks. Easy, easy. Pitsandspits.com, and that's the double T on the pits and the spits. Pitsandspits.com slash BBQ Central and promo code Charcoal Central to save 150 bucks off any charcoal grill at Pits and Spits. We'll be back with Stephen Reichland right after this. Stick around. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. 
You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. You visit CookinPellets.com and then figure out what you want to buy. And then when you're ready to buy, you go to Lowe's.com or Walmart.com or Amazon.com. How do you forget that one? Same great products, just great shipping rates as well. Great folks over at CookinPellets.com. My first guest tonight, an icon in the industry, host of TV shows, creator of Barbecue University and teacher, James Beard Award-winning author, and recurring guest right here on the show, our pal Stephen Reichel. Stephen, we have a YouTube poll question of the week that we're asking everybody and all guests alike, which is this. Which turkey are you doing this year, spatchcock or whole bird? Never spatchcock for me, always whole bird. I feel like a spatchcock bird looks like it got run over by a steamroller, and uh, <laughs> nope, I want no part of it. Wow. I'm a Norman, Rock- Norman Rockwell kind of guy. All right, well, you'll be happy to know that 60% of the YouTube voting public are also going whole bird, and there were some chirps there in the instant chat saying, outside of thanksgiving spatchcock all day long but give me thanksgiving in particular which is where we're going to be at in a couple days and like you're saying they want the norman rockwell they want the aesthetic they want the old school vibe and feel so everybody's going whole bird that being said maybe you've seen it too all over social media everybody is spatchcocking their birds from the most uh popular youtube chef to all points in between home cooks you know ham and eggers like me that are now spatchcocking have you seen an uptick in spatchcock popularity for this thanksgiving i really have not been paying deep attention to it to be honest with so you. not to social media where do you get your news <laughs> well uh i have to confess from the new york times but i know that's wow. probably going to make me unpopular with a lot of people too an actual news call me old-fashioned how dare yeah, you Yeah, call me old-fashioned i write for the new york times and you know uh i go with them all right so it's whole bird in the stephen reichland house because we like norman rockwell and the way it looks and we feels like, and we like the way it looks and feels yeah. it's a centerpiece you know okay what are the traditions otherwise at a Stephen Reichland Thanksgiving? Well, you know, every year for about 20 years, I did my turkey a different way. To You know, I've spit roasted it. I've done uh, beer can turkey one year. Uh, I slid truffles under the skin one year. I, uh, I loosened the skin and filled it with herb butter and herbs. And... I've really uh, sort of settled on a method that I, it's my go-to method, and that is a 24-hour brine, uh, basic brine, one cup salt, one cup sugar, one gallon water, uh, fresh herbs. And uh, then I actually uh, always cook my turkey on a big green egg. I Mm. feel like that little felt ring in the ceramic cooker holds in moistness. I... uh, go at about 325 to 350 for the first three quarters of the cook and then right at the end crank it up to 500 baste the bejesus out of it with melted butter to try and crisp up crisp up the skin try saying that six times and um, that's my bird 
How much of a hold time are you allotting and what size do you feel is the best size to cook? So I prefer multiple small turkeys to one big monster turkey. Uh, for me, the ideal size is about 12 pounds, 12 to 14 pounds. Uh, hold time, do you mean hold time once it comes out off the smoker? The other thing I've been seeing a lot of, we've talked about it for decades, but target temperature to get it to pull out of the oven or off the cooker. So I've been seeing a lot of uh, 155, pull it out, let it rest. 25 or 30 minutes to get you to the carryover of let's call it uh, you know early 160s maybe to a 165 although i prefer a little sub 165 i think you can dry out uh, pretty quick on the breast um, if you're shooting for 165 and then the carryover but uh, just wondering uh, from that tactical standpoint where you pull it at and then do you allow for a certain amount of carryover yeah, I pull it about 160, and I uh, let it go up to 170, 172, something like that. I feel like poultry, um, I mean, for me, you know, uh, chicken, turkey, it's a little more tender when it's uh, slightly overcooked. I know that's heresy again. I guess tonight is my night for uh, Reichland heresy. You're going to tell <laughs> us you put, uh, you secretly put ketchup on hot dogs, too, after you boil them to cook? I do not. No. Uh, okay. Negative to that. I don't even like ketchup, which is, I guess, probably uh, yet a third Reichland heresy. Crazy. Um, so let let's let's switch topics. I, I'm I'm burying myself here. What about the? Uh, oh, so are you getting heritage breed birds? Now, this is something yeah. I've heard become very popular over the last two years. Um, much more expensive than you're getting at the everyday store for 99 cents a pound. I think these can range six to 12 bucks a pound or something like that. Uh, well, to be honest with you, this year I'm going to somebody else's house for turkey, which is uh, going to be really nice. But uh, we always, at our sort of baseline is organic turkey, and uh, and then we have had the heritage tur turkeys many years. I just think they taste better. I think they're raised in a more healthy, uh, sustainable way. And, you know, I... It's a holiday. I'm willing to pay a little bit more uh, to eat a higher quality bird. When we look at Thanksgiving, there's no publicity, especially when compared to Halloween preceding it, Christmas obviously following it or whatever you're celebrating in that holiday season. And for what is considered to be such a major holiday, it does appear to fly under the commercialization radar, if that's even a saying. What do you think that is? That's a really good question. Um, I could make a guess. I don't know. Uh, I mean, but, um, you know, Black Friday sort of takes care of the uh, rampant consumerism that comes after Thanksgiving. Um, if I were an idealist, I might say that, you know, it's one time of year when we all kind of cut back from consumerism and just be thankful for being alive and having our loved ones in our health. But... That's probably in the world we live in being a little overly optimistic today. I ask this question every year and I'm such a turd because every year I have said that I'm going to be a better turkey eater throughout the year. Well, guess what? I'm no better this year than I have been in past years. In other words, Thanksgiving is my biggest turkey eating day. And unless I'm at a barbecue restaurant that's offering smoked turkey of some sort, I'm really not cooking it at home. How many times a year are you actively eating turkey? I would say we do a, you know, we do a whole turkey, obviously, for Thanksgiving. Um, 
we'll do maybe two whole turkeys and maybe four or five turkey breasts. I mean, I love to brine and smoke a turkey breast in the summer when we have company coming to visit. And, uh, you know, it's just have it, slice it up for sandwiches. Yeah, so I'm not, you know, I'm, uh, I mean, in fact, it's, it's sometimes it's very frustrating to try and find fresh turkey other times of the year than November. Favorite sides, and then we're going to get off a of hollow... Uh Halloween, Thanksgiving. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, homemade cranberry sauce, of course. Um, homemade, uh, well, uh, either, yeah, I either do a stuffing or in my book, uh, Project Smoke, I have a, uh, a mushroom bread pudding that's, that's, that's sort of become our go-to uh, stuffing. Mm. Uh, yeah, we do the sweet potato with uh, maple syrup and brown sugar and marshmallow thing because, you know, it's tradition like Zero Mustel sang in Fiddler on the Roof. You know, we're very traditional. In keeping in one vein of heresy, and this is probably mine and not yours, is there any room at the table for jellied cranberry where you can cut a nice cranberry puck off? and put it on a slice of turkey or on some stuffing or something like that or no way? Absolutely. I love that stuff. When I was growing up, my Aunt Linda, who was just slightly older than I was, used to cut little jack-o'-lantern faces and slices of cranberry jelly, and I've always retained uh, a fondness for it. We've talked about the growing, raging popularity of the griddle that is making its way into people's backyards. It's now... Uh, complimentary piece to a charcoal grill or gas grill or you name it how is it growing on you i know you're a big plancha guy um and typically yeah, that's yeah. like a a separate piece throwing it on a live fire but have you bought more into the freestanding griddle uh greg i just acquired my first freestanding griddle uh <laughs> In my uh, backyard, and uh, I, I used, I've used it uh, for every meal in the last 48 hours. Wow. And I'm, act I'm absolutely crazy about it. Uh, you know, it's a, I mean, first of all, there are certain foods you can cook on it that really are difficult to cook on a grill, like eggs, like pancakes. Uh, you know, yes, you can do a grilled cheese sandwich, as I've written about <laughs> it, but you get a different texture when you grill cheese a sandwich on a, uh, a plancha. So... I'm really having fun with it. And, you know, and it's maybe just after 25 years of writing about grilling and smoking, it's, it's uh, you know, the challenge of using a new piece of equipment. The fact that you can put it outdoors satisfies certainly certain needs. I mean, you know, I think in the past we've talked about these A5 Wagyu steaks, these ridiculously yep. uh, generously marbled and expensive steaks from Japan. And if you try and cook those on a grill, you know, the dripping fat is going to turn the whole thing into a burning conflagration. However, if you cook those on what in Japan would be called a tepon, we call it a grill, griddle, you get a crusty outside, you keep all that luscious fat inside. So um, there are things you can do uh, with a, um, in fact, uh, I guess, spoiler alert, I am working on uh, a book on uh, plancha and griddle cooking. Uh being a Reichland book, it will delve deeply into the history and culture and anthropology of griddles. You know, uh, four of the world's great cuisines have them, right? You think about the plancha in Spain. You think about the tepon in Japan. You think about the Mongolian grill in Taiwan. I mm. uh, think about the griddle in the United States, the uh, piastra in Italy. So I guess that's five 
right up the champa in uh, in Argentina. So, I mean, this is a cooking device. Obviously, many great chefs and cooks have found that searing on hot flat metal can do wondrous things that you can't even do on a grill. So uh, I'm exploring that now and really having fun with it. Is the majority of your travel then going to focus on those four or five places that you had mentioned, or are there uh, like some? I'm pretty. De- oh, I'm pretty deep into the book already. So oh. yeah, I've uh, I've already done a lot of travel to uh, to research that. Yeah, I mean, but you do bring up a good point, which is my personal not that you meant to, but my personal methodology for writing a book. First thing I always do is pack a suitcase, and the first part of the book writing process, it's always traveling, seeing, you know, uh, doing field research, and then coming back and putting it all together um, in my home and test kitchen. Speaking of research and maybe flowing that into classes, one of the things you do every year is Barbecue University. New location this past year, is it going to be at the uh, the same campus in 2024, or are you going to be moving again? Nope, Alisaw Ranch in Solvang, California, and uh, if that sounds familiar, we taped uh, the last season of Project Smoke and the first season of Project Fire, my PBS TV shows, at the ranch. Fantastic property. We have an amazing outdoor classroom. Uh, I think we were up to 36 or 38 grills and smokers this last time. We're going to add new new ones to the collection. Uh, I teach, but students really do the grilling under my supervision and it's uh, super fun next session is taking place uh the third fourth and fifth uh and sixth of september right after labor day and actually tomorrow we're going live with the uh, uh with the website the announcement actually friday we're going live with it you know where the, the sign up page so uh barbecuebible.com or you can visit barbecue university hey if i can also share another piece of uh, really exciting news sure. for you you know i've been started this company called Planet Barbecue uh, to do, which is also the name of the new TV series, but uh, to do uh, prepared Reichland barbecue uh, that we sell through food service online. And we are about to have our first pop-up restaurant. It's at uh, in Snowmass, Colorado, uh, right at the foot of one of the uh, ski lifts. So I'm super excited about that. We'll have details on that on the website. Uh, very shortly. You're going to be cooking in that? I will be making a visit. I actually yeah. have a partner uh, who's uh, my stepson, and yep. he's uh, really kind of running the show But uh, at this point. But, you know, there are my recipes and my barbecue sauces with it. Wow. Uh, so we're looking forward yeah. to that. Uh, sign up uh, for the class will be on Friday, and then, or, or is that for the pop-up too? Uh, no, the pop-up, we're waiting for snow. we got to have a certain amount of snow at the foot of the mountain in order for uh, all the food operations to open. So I'm I'm oh. betting probably you want to play it safe. It'd be like December 10th, December 15th, something like that. What about Planted Barbecue, since we're talking a little bit of television? Is that going to make a reappearance next year as well? You bet. We're working on wow. season two, even as we speak. Uh, yeah, they. you know, I. funny, I always say it's the two hardest weeks of my year and the two most fun weeks of mm. my year. But uh, our core crew has been together now for about uh, 15 years, and so it's a big family reunion. Um, and I have come, I, I, I uh, evolved from dreading television, uh, worse than a visit to a terrible doctor, to actually enjoying it. So um, I can't wait. 
are you incorporating uh, black boxes and some of these new items that you've put in the TV shows recently and keeping along those themes or what's the new things we might be looking up? Well, the theme, uh, I mean, you know, obviously the theme is global grilling with a name like planet barbecue. Uh, we are going to, uh, we are going to do some work with planches and stand up, uh, griddles in this series. <laughs> We're going to bring back the mystery box, uh, which is one of my favorite parts of, uh, of the previous series, which was, um, uh, uh, Project uh, Fire. You know, I love that surge of creativity when you lift up the box and you see some improbable ingredient and you have to figure out a dish to make with it uh, in live television. So uh, we'll be doing that. Uh, visits, field trips, you know, it'll be a, a Reichland, uh, Reichland spectacular. Let me ask you a couple business questions here as we lead out. Number one would be, this is more speculatory, what do you see next year as a potential trend or something that is going to get introduced that you think is really going to be picked up by the live fire public? Hmm. Well, that's a really good question. I mean, I think griddles are going to continue to grow. Uh, I think pellet grills are going to continue to grow. I think um, there is a, a nostalgia element. I think we're going to come back to some of the dishes, you know, like... Uh, I wrote a book called Beer Can Chicken uh, mm. about 20 years ago. It came out and it was Looked like a beer international can. bestseller. Yeah. And so we're bringing out that book again, completely modernized and updated. And I think in the uh, in the next year, you know, on, on one hand, we're like all this innovation, especially through social media. On the other hand, I think we're going to go back and sort of rediscover a lot of classics that many people of my generation, you know, perhaps yours cut our teeth on and, you know, for us to find barbecue. So um, I, I think you're going to see that. This is Stephen Reichland. You can find him at the website barbecuebible.com. He's also on social media channels as well. Stephen, always appreciate the time. So we wish you a happy Thanksgiving coming up here in a couple of days. Also a very happy holiday season, and we'll look for you in Q1 of 2024. That sounds great. Happy uh, Thanksgiving to you and all your listeners, and thank you for the great job you do. All right. Thanks. Stephen Reichland right there. BarbecueBible.com is the website. In case you've never visited that before, shame on you. Of course you should have. And he's going to be new television show guy. There's going to be a pop-up in Colorado he's going to be making an appearance at. His stepson is the chief cook. But Stephen's recipes, as he said, so looking forward to seeing all of that. And then we'll see if some of those predictions come up. So I like especially getting back to some nostalgia. I love that. So there you go. Uh, Taylor from New York is writing in, Hey, Greg, Robert Moss was a home run last Tuesday during his origin story segments. I thought he was just a barbecue guy and did a lot of writing and research maybe some local restaurant reviews in his hometown. Who knew he was such an accomplished computer science person? Way to go, Robert. Keep up the great work. Live stream watcher regards Taylor. Taylor, all right. Live to boot. But I don't see you in the chat, so maybe you're just a live lurker. Uh, Sam in Alabama writing in, Greg Heath Riles is my second favorite barbecue person next to Malcolm. I thought I was a super fan of his, but had no idea his products went through a significant rebrand about seven years ago. Like you, I'm a big fan of his butter bath and wrap products. So great, so easy, and way less messy. 
Unless, of course, you spill it. <laughs> Podcast fan only. Regards, Sam. Live listener. Recorded listener. I'll take them all. All shapes and sizes, you betcha. Wes Wright is in the green room. We're going to get to him and talk business in just one second. Before we do that, we'll talk about Primo Grills. Now, maybe if you were actively listening to Stephen talk when we were talking about how he cooks his turkeys, he prefers to put it on a ceramic cooker because why? He thinks it lends itself to a more humid cooking environment. Well, guess what? I 100% agree. What did I tell you? Last, a week ago Sunday, I put on two racks of ribs, fired up the Primo for indirect, so I put in the deflector plates all the way around to make sure I wasn't getting any direct heat. Set that thing at 275, held rock solid. And after three hours when I opened it up for the first time, thought about hitting it with a little bit of spritz of water slash apple cider vinegar. But after I opened the top, oh mercy, those things were as humid looking as they could be. Now let me ease your mind. Humid like all the rub washed. What not? No. Not like that. Just a nice juicy product. Almost like it was self-basting. Can that be? Maybe. Maybe Primo self-bastes the meat and we don't even know how that works because you close the top and you can't see it. Find one of these non-confirmed self-basting ceramic cookers at a primo dealer near you and don't tell anybody I said that it's just between me and uh, us gals primogrill.com is the place to go primogrill.com click the dealer locator find the one near you visit them and see all the different size ovals remember the oval is great because you can stack the coals on one side of it and you can leave the other side coal vacant you can put meat on top of that. You get a nice indirect cook. Uh, can you do it with ov- uh, with rounds? Uh, not great. It's not very efficient. It's a lot of cast overheat. That's a term I'm making up right off the top of my head. But the oval, because it's oval, allows you to put in that separator and then really gives you the two zones that you're looking for. Primogrill.com. That's primogrill.com. We're back with Wes Wright. In one second, stick around. Be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Howard Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. We thank Stephen Reichland for joining us the last segment, barbecuebible.com. This segment brought to you by Fireboard, where you can monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. You can connect to the Wi-Fis for cloud-based monitoring or the Bluetooth. If you have smart speakers in your home, Fireboard is integrated with most of those. Fireboard.com is the website. You can call with questions, 816 816- Nine four five two two three two, and don't forget next week Ted Conrad makes his return. We're going to be talking about that fireboard beacon. 
My next guest tonight is the creator of the cookoutnews.com website and third Tuesday of the month regular guest. And now we can add this to the docket. Barbecue Central Show Guest Hall of Fame nominee. I am, of course, talking about Wes Wright. All right, Wes, so we have a YouTube poll question of the week that we're asking everybody here this evening, and Stephen Reichlin gave us his answer, and now we need yours. This Thursday, you are cooking what? Spatchcock or whole bird? Uh, <laughs> curveball, I'm doing turkey breasts. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, but if you were doing a whole, if I was going doing to, a whole one, a whole would you bird. keep it whole or would you spatchcock? I'd do a whole. All right. Yeah. So fifty-seven percent of the YouTube voting public now are saying whole bird, and it's getting closer and closer to fifty-fifty as every second passes. A lot of stuff to talk about here. As I had mentioned in the open, I figure by November every year things are going to start slowing down from a business perspective, but. As you go through cookoutnews.com and you set your Google searches in the right or your Google alerts in the right way, you quickly realize that this has been a very busy month, a lot of stuff that's going on. Solo Stove takes a huge swing with the Snoop Dogg giving up the smoke campaign. First things first, do you like the concept? Yeah, I, I think it was a good idea, and it, I think it got the coverage that it was after because, I mean, a lot of people were talking about it, tons of reaction, and I mean, it was covered by pretty much every media outlet imaginable that, you know, had nothing to do with anything solo stove related. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it was a success. To drive that point home, my sister was visiting for the last couple of days, and uh, I forget how weed came up. I'm not a big uh, weed guy myself, but somehow weed came up and immediately it was like, oh, did you hear or did you see that Snoop Dogg has given up the smoke? And she was shocked and immediately went to the phone to try to see the post, this and that, to ask for uh, space for family, respect my decision, this and that. And then, you know, three days later, he's coming out with, you know, I'm not giving up weed, of course, I'm giving up smoke from my bonfire grills or from a campfire and so now they have this uh join a jointly branded solo stove fire pit which i'm sure was it like a hundred and some odd dollars more than whatever the the normal stainless steel one is um maybe a little less than that because it comes with a stand too so Mm -hmm. yeah any idea what kind of money snoop dogg gets to do this yeah if I have no idea. I'd just be thrown out a guess. I mean, it's got to be, what, mid to high six figures, maybe seven figures. I mean, because he has, what, 120-some-odd million followers across social media. Then you're getting him to do a short commercial spot, too. That's That's got to be a lot of money. I'm I'm thinking it's way over what you were talking about. I'm thinking it's like five million bucks. Yeah, could be. I, you know, if you if you told me that was it, I wouldn't I wouldn't argue with you. I did send out an email to John Maris. Said, "Hey, would love to have you back on the show. Let's talk about Snoop Dogg. Oh, by the way, how much did you pay Snoop Dogg? <laughs> I got no answer back. Would John know? I mean, he would know how much they paid for that, right? He's the CEO. Yeah, he'd know. I, it'd be interesting to see if it if there's a, a pop in their marketing budget for when they release financials. I'll have to watch for that." How big of an impact do you think 
this is going to be speculatory because it's just come out, but how big of an impact do you think this will have on sales or is this basically a stunt and that's more or less where it's going to live? I, I think for them, it's more about like, uh, you know, top of funnel awareness, if anything, because a lot of people that, you know, if you read People Magazine or, you know, wherever you, you heard about it, you may not be that interested in a solo stuff product, but now at least you might know what it is. Um, I, I kind of laughed at some of the media coverage of it because it was clear they had no idea what a solo stove was. Like they said <laughs> that he wasn't giving up weed. He, you know, was branding a stove and it's like, well, it's not a stove or they said he was branding a grill and it's like, it's not a grill either, but you know, it's just kind of funny. Clint, I don't know if you know who Clint Cantwell is. He's kind of the, the second in command over at amazingribs.com behind me. To, but uh, Clint and I did a hickory flavored propane April fool stunt like 12 or 13 years ago and everybody bought it in your expert opinion which is bigger nonsense hickory flavored propane stunt that Clinton I did or the Snoop Dogg stunt I I think that I think they hit a little different I think yours is kind of clever because it's something that people would believe but it's not even a real thing I think with the snow the Snoop, Snoop Dogg thing it was that people interpreted it and then even like you would read major media outlets would say he said he's given up smoking weed as like a direct quote and it's like he didn't say that never said that but uh <laughs> yeah he never said yeah. that so uh but i i like yours in because it's something that's believable that someone would try and it's not even a real thing at all i remember like three years after the fact somebody must have gone through the archives and was like half paying attention and then i got the email Oh, are, uh, does Kingsford still sell the hickory flavored propane? <laughs> and I wrote back and was like, were you really listening? You should go back and, and take another run at that. Because at the end of the segment, we said it was April Fool's and this and that. But boy, it was uh, it went like gangbusters there for a little while. All right. So let's transition off a of solo stove. Let's go to Loco Cookers, which was really taking the griddle world by storm there for a, a, a good chunk of time. And in your article that you wrote on cookoutnews.com, it says that Loco Cookers cuts the cord on the digital knob display. What's exactly happening with this particular griddle? Yeah, instead of having that little, I guess it's like an LED or LCD display yeah. on each of the knobs, it's it's just, you know, you set it to a temperature and then it doesn't need a, a power cord to keep that temperature. So you avoid that creep you get with, with griddles, you know, that's, that's their innovation with that product. So, and it's at a cheaper price point too. I want to say 400 bucks, something like that. I could be wrong, but it's around there. So taking away the display, does that really strip out a lot of cost? Is that a pretty expensive feature? Um, I mean, it must be if they're, if they're able to, make it be cheaper it, it doesn't you know and it has a cool look to it so there there has to be a cost associated with that and they also ripped out the covered card air so now it's more like a like yeah. a spirit version weber instead of the genesis right yep yep hmm. where do you rank loco as a company in this landscape right now the griddle landscape um you know i I th they have distribution through Home Depot, which that's pretty phenomenal. So I, I would think in awareness, they've I'm trying to think if there's anyone. I mean, they've got to be in the top couple. I mean, it, it's really like, you know, it's Blackstone and everybody else. But, yeah. you know, I, I would think behind them, they've got to be, you know, one or two behind them. But I, and I think, too, like they 
what they do with their like original like low country you know broils i think that's a really cool market that is pretty untapped that Mm. you know they're they're the only one that's like a real brand in it as opposed to like some you know off brand so i I think they have a lot of runway there too Rectech is going into ace hardware so as we talk about loco getting distribution inside of Home Depot, uh, Ace Hardware, and Rectech are now teaming up. This is obviously a large deviation of their previous direct-to-consumer concept or way of doing business. So what are the potential wins and losses for them doing this? Uh, I, I think on the losses, you get you lose that uh, some of that connection with the consumer. You lose that data of you know who's buying what or you know whether it's perceived or real, just that that connection that that sometimes consumers feel from ordering from their website itself uh what you gain obviously is more visibility you're at you know they didn't they said it's up to the ace dealers whether or not they want to carry them but you 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 get a different uh different consumer base that is going to see you your products like on the showroom and be aware of it that way does this affect the traeger positioning at all um it, it you know it's another competitor for them and it'll be interested you know especially because traeger i've heard as some like aggressive merchandising so you know i I'd, i'll be interested to see how that plays out where they're sharing space with with Rectech and and what they do about it but i mean you know traeger's in you know homes epo and ace so they're 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 around forever but it'll be interesting to see how they set it up you know next if they carry them next to each other or just one or the other is this an exclusive agreement or could they branch out to even more retailers that being Rectech? Yeah, they didn't, they didn't really say, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know the terms of it. I, if I had to venture a guess, I would say it's not exclusive, but, um, you know, I think that the brand they've built isn't quite ready to go to like a home Depot. It really changed kind of what the, their positioning is. Mm. Um, not to say they couldn't do it, but it's, it's just different. They're, you know, they were founded where everyone had the, the founder's phone number. If you had a problem with your, your grill. And obviously that's not going to happen if you're selling in home Depot, you know, it's just a lot different from their branding. Are most successful companies, the ones that are finding that mix between direct to consumer and also, building healthy distribution through either big box retail or a large um, distribution or a, a distributor network. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely some d- diminishing returns or like a sweet spot between that mix. That's something that Solo Stove talks a lot about, you know, and like a year ago they were all we're D to C only and yeah. that's all we do and then they increased their channel relationships more and more and more and now they don't even say they're a pure they don't even consider themselves like a D2C brand. And they say that it raises awareness. And if you look at their earnings, all their D2C has been decreasing while they've gained you know, sales through all their channels. And they say it's not cannibalizing their business because they're accessing a different consumer that wouldn't traditionally shop D2C and it adds awareness. So I think you know, they're, they're like a case study in finding that sweet spot of you know, what's D2C versus, versus through retail channels. Blackstone, which we know for griddles, is also fairly formidable in the pizza oven market, and they've introduced a new portable pizza oven. What do we like about it, and what could be better? I think it, you know that like three to four hundred dollars is a 
you can get a lot of pizza ovens now for for that range that are, that are some great pizza ovens and so this is their their entrance into that market um it's you know they're they're more expensive ones like a, it's for like a 16 inch pizza where this one is more like a 12. Mm. i think the stone itself is 13 inches um and so you know they took that similar technology as a rotating stone electric start which i really like and um it just it loses that top stone in the more expensive one and it'll run off a 20 pound tank or a one pound tank what's neat about it too is it has actually a closing door on the front which i'm, I'm curious to see how well that works because it's it's slotted so you can see inside so i i don't well, i'm curious to see how much heat retention it has one of the complaints of the bigger versions was that burner that's patented in the back can get like really effing hot and there's some learning curve to make sure that you're not burning the hell out of your pizzas. Is this dialed back considerably just due to size? It doesn't have that afterburner type thing in it? Yeah, well, this one it says it has a max temp of 800, so mm -hmm. You know, people say the sweet spot for pizzas is like 840. I've heard, you know, I don't know where that was derived from, but uh, so there, and Blackstone's actually sending me one. So I'll, I'm going to, you know, review it firsthand. So I'll be interested to see. But yeah, it, it, I mean, it looks like a nice oven, you know, and, and that rotating technology is definitely easier than, than using a peel and turning your pizza every 30 seconds, you know. Uh, last one here is WC Bradley bringing a new brand and a new product to market. And uh, this is different from the Charbroil Edge. So it looks like the parent company is really pushing in on being the leader in full-size electric grills. Yeah, I mean, they're they're going all in on it compared to everybody else. Uh and I think what's cool about it too is is so it's going to be the first one that has you know phone connectivity, and rather than marketing it initially like through traditional you know grilling outlets or grill marketing, I'll call it, they're going to cons the Consumer Expo show and or you know Consumer Entertainment Show in Las Vegas, which is all the consumer gadgets and and stuff like that. So I think it'll be it's neat that it's you know, it's going into that place. And I think that crowd might like that product and introduce some new people to grilling. You know, I think it's a cool idea. Have you had any hands-on experience with it yet? I don't. It's not supposed to ship till February. Oh. You know, I'd love to try it and see, you know, how it compares to the edge. One thing I didn't mention in the article too, but they say in their, uh, I can't remember where I saw it, but they say it's the only electric grill that goes to 700 degrees and i was thinking well the edge does so does that mean they're yeah. getting rid of the edge or what are they doing with that oh. you know so, so. why i'm not very smart so you can work me through this charbroil brings the edge out they were going to make some revisions to it they were going to get rid of that uh, weirdo warming rack that was all the way over on the corner right they were going to give you a full cooking grid surface granted it's not huge as far as cooking space, but if you are in a live fire restricted apartment complex or you don't feel comfortable using propane or charcoal, by and large, it was a decent option. The only complaint I really ever had was you really had to start out at 700 degrees, number one, all the time. And then as soon as you started opening up the lid, for as much as I was told recovery was very quick or comparable to what a gas or charcoal grill was. I didn't find that to be the case. It was struggling to 
register back to 700 if it even never got back there at all after its initial climb there. Why not bring a new electric grill under the Charbroil name instead of launching a new brand and then giving it some, you know, real, so you now you have the new name of the grill and it's, you know, obviously very different from uh, what the edge is like, but why make that big of a divergence? You know, if I think what it might be is that uh, a charbroil electric grill, you're you're marking it to people that like grilling, right? And they might be more resistant to trying an electric grill. Where if you have a new brand that's all about you know smart cooking and technology and things like that, you know it it ha- might have a different market and a different appeal. It you know like marketing can be so funny like that. It, you know you I know you post watches on Instagram and stuff like that. And I can't remember if it was Fossil or somebody. I read, it, read a case study where they brought out their watch that was like pretty entry level and no one bought it. Then they jacked up the price a few hundred bucks. And all of a sudden they had like an interest and people thought it was, you know, a great product all of a sudden. So like marketing and branding can be so peculiar like that where you just have to find the right crowd. And I think that's why they don't say like, this is, you know, current backyard from charbroil it's Mm. it or from wc bradley i think they want to establish it as like this own you know unique startup thing to hopefully appeal to that crowd and people that aren't traditional grillers well time will tell on if this venture is going to be worthwhile and that brand sticks as its own entity or maybe it ends up dialing back into the charbroil world we'll see Uh, this is wes wright you can read him over cookoutnews.com and uh, hopefully you'll had that Blackstone pizza oven for a little while so we can get your first-hand account in December as we close out the year. Wes, always appreciate the time. Yep. Thanks for having me, Greg. Wes right. Read him. And he's covering everything news-wise, business-wise over in the live fire industry, cookoutnews.com, and check it all out. I was especially interested in uh, both the RecTech article that he wrote and that I'm going to call it the strip down of the loco cooker, but it's not the 36 inch model. It was the, the, uh, <laughs> I'm going to say thinner. I don't know what the hell you call it. It's not as wide. It's the 26 inch. So you got the cart ripped off of it and you had the LCDs taken out of it to show the temperature that the top was at, all that stuff. And now it just looks like an oven. Unless you've got a digital oven. But if you don't, you just twist it up to where the temperature is. That's what it looks like now. So we'll see where it goes. Maybe I can land Mr. Plumber in 2024 again and give a little catch up there. All right. We are done with the first hour. Stick around. We'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content. In an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. And we thank Wes Wright for joining us last segment. Cookoutnews.com is the website. Currently, as we get ready to close the first hour, 58% of you say you're doing whole birds on Thursday. 42% of you saying you're doing spatchcock birds. And we'll get our second-hour guests online with that as well. All right, we're going to step away. We'll refresh libations. We will head to the second hour where you will find interviews with Hey Grill Hey, 14 past. And we'll see what happens with Brian Jarvis, 35 past or thereabouts. 
So stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show.